You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, one and all, to the golden episode of the NFC East Mixtape, the greatest crossover ever attempted and successfully landed in the history of all things, the most unique podcast that SB Nation has to offer. In fact, got a little bit of, you know, peek behind the curtain here, got a little bit of pomp and circumstance last week, the NFC East Mixtape did. Uh, this is the Mixtape. You can listen to this on any of four specific networks, all related to the NFC East, Blogging the Boys for Dallas Cowboys coverage, Bleeding Green Nation for Philadelphia Eagles coverage, Big Blue View for, for New York Giants coverage, I promise I love you, Big Blue View, and Hogshaven for Washington Commanders coverage i am rjo choa from blogging the boys he is brandon lee gotten from bleeding green nation blg what up how goes it how you doing a lot better than last week rj i will say <laughs> our worst nfc east mixtape episode ever people should not listen to it i told people that uh i know listen to the mixtape uh, i was like don't don't listen to the least episode obviously still download it and everything and uh maybe play it yeah i silent. mean we really care about the download um if you want to listen, it's up to you. Uh, we did get some tweets from people um, acknowledging what we did, that it wasn't our finest hour. Um, mm-hmm. The YouTube audience was very nice about it. You can, by the way, watch the NFC's mixtape on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the blog and the boys YouTube channel. Um, but I think we're, we're ready to roll. I mentioned, it, do you know why I said it was the golden episode? Do you happen to know? Because it's what, like the 50th? It is the 50th episode. Think about that. We have dedicated over 50 hours of our lives to one another. Just you and me looking right at each other, just like this. I don't think of it that way. (laughs) I do. I mean, that's a really special relationship. That's Think about it. Over two days of life that we have just been with one another. That's very special, Brandon. We're coming up on a year. I was looking back at the archives for Bleeding Green Nation, uh, as I like to do each year to kind of see oh, what was I doing around this time last year. And sure enough, the mixtape started like not too long before the 2021 NFL draft. So we are indeed coming up on the anniversary and we haven't missed a single week, right? Because Well, that's the way yeah. time works. There are 52 weeks in a year. Right. <laughs> this is number 50. Uh, granted, uh, we did have the emergency episode. That was not an official volume. True. Uh, not the way our anthology is chronicled, at least around here. Uh, but yeah, so 51 episodes technically. But yeah, two weeks away from, from a full and actual anniversary. No gifts necessary. Uh, Brandon, you know, I don't know if you were getting sneaky or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, volume 50, very cool stuff. Uh, someday we're going to have to do like a greatest hits compilation and we'll get like some special (laughs) artwork made up for it. But, uh, yeah. That's if we're not like self congratulatory enough. Right. (laughs) You're the Um, best moments from our podcast. You mentioned the draft. We're going to touch on some draft needs for each and every team as we do every single week here on the mixtape. Is that Um, your favorite animal? What? The draft. The giraffe is. I actually think giraffes yeah. are dumb. I, I like. Wow. 
Um, Shots fired at tall people and animals everywhere. My uh, my son has a lot of like clothing with different animals on them, and the giraffes I just don't understand. Like why why would you want like I was, I was like thinking about like toys and animal toys. Like a giraffe is the most boring toy to play with. Like it's How? it's it's like just tall and thin. Like it does it offers like a like wow. an elephant is awesome. Like that's a monstrous. You know it can you know do some damage. But a giraffe like what's a giraffe doing? Like who you know? I mean. Have I ever told you uh, before we we get into this um, about how like I don't like animals like I think the idea what of a the zoo, hell kind of take is this no but is like this? <laughs> no like like I don't like the zoo that's really what it comes down to have I ever told you this well, before I mean the zoo and liking the zoo and liking animals I think are two right now animals are awesome things. but but the zoo is stupid to me well there's a well, lot of like reasons why, why, I think you why am I why am I going to pay money to go jeopardize my life. Like at the zoo. Like oh. what? What if? What if like the animal broke out? Like what? What if like the animals got loose? That would be well, like I mean, the worst I, thing of all time. In a way, it would be a good thing. And and like and like the conceptually. Oh, well, sure, know, sure. From yeah. like a humanitarian perspective, right. I'm talking about from my perspective. Sure. Um, I mean, I think you don't have to worry about that too much. I think the track record of that probably isn't super likely. Um, it's. it's I mean. Is it, is it do you like going to theme parks do you like riding say, roller coasters i think I actually more i used to but no like the last time we went to a zoo my wife dragged me the um i don't know what it was like the gazelles or the deers or whatever were like a block away <laughs> from uh f- from the cheetahs or the whatever it was and all i was thinking was like all those cheetahs have every single day is to smell that food like they just smell it all day long you know what I'm saying? Like that that would get annoying after a while. You would you would find as um as Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park very, very famously said, life finds a way. Life will find a way over those tall little fences, BLG. Nah, I'm out on the zoo. Miss me with the zoo. Not like again, the biggest fan of the the concept of the zoo. I feel like sometimes it can be sad to watch the animals like look sad uh right. in in limited in captivity. Although obviously, you know, like it's nice to appreciate and celebrate how some of, how cool some of these animals are. And obviously we won't get to see a lot of them naturally in our lifetimes, unless we're going to a different continent, essentially and going on right, a safari right. or whatever. As, as we, as we get back, what's your favorite wild animal? It's your last question you get on this subject. Like wild animal. Yeah. So like not it's your awful. household sort of pet. Yeah. Cause obviously it's a, it's a dog. It's the right. correct answer. Um, I'm not an anti cat person. I like cats too, but you know, more of a dog dude, uh, do you, what's your answer? You know, I said elephant. Um, elephant's a pretty strong choice, mm. I think. Elephants are really intelligent. Like, elephants are really sentimental. Like, I really like everything around an elephant. I just, I like the symmetry of their ears and the trunks. Like, everything about an elephant is, is cool to me. They can be ridden. I've ridden a camel before. Wow. Um, you know, I don't know if I would be brave enough to ride an elephant. But, you know, like, there's there's a lot of symbolism behind elephants. So, put me down for the elefante. I like how elephants seem to have like a sense of humor too. Right, you know, they're right, always right. like uh, putting the the thing. They're like I've seen like steal someone's hat, you know, and right, put it in their yeah, mouth or totally. whatever, and then put it back. They on. love uh, them. They love their peanuts. Those elephants. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, I I think I'd have to say a whale. Actually, um. I think Ooh. it's crazy how like just massive some of them can be, but uh, they seem pretty intelligent too. They can sing and everything, and uh, yeah. See, like that's the other thing. Um. Have you ever seen? The, and we're about to get to football, but have you ever seen the documentary Blackfish? about I have the, yeah yeah see like i will never ever in my life understand that i would, would be curious about any sort of literature i could read but like it it amazes me that at some point like if you trace back time far enough somebody somewhere <laughs> right. said 
I'm gonna get in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I'm I'm just gonna completely surrender one hundred percent of the you know advantage I have being out here and it has in there, and I'm going to give it a hundred percent advantage. I just I will never understand that in my life. I think the ocean is just a crazy concept. Dude, Do the ocean really is think this is like no, I'm not going in there. Are you kidding me? What there could be like anything could be down there. Dude, what are you talking about? I, I actually um I promise we're about to get to football. Oh, I, have you ever seen the, Have you ever seen the movie Waterworld with Kevin Costner? No, I know. Is, is, that's like uh, everyone's. I feel like um, favorite like bad movie. Like it's well, a bad, yeah, it's not a good but movie, so but um, people love it. Yes, and but they have um, like at Universal Studios or wherever it is. They have like one of those like live shows. You know what I mean? Where they like they have sets and stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so it's in this like massive water tank. That water tank like petrifies me like i think like if, if if i were to be in that water i would have like an anxiety attack because I, I don't know what it is i actually find theme parks in general and i'm not like alone in this like the dystopian like nature of a theme park is really unnerving to me i'm not a fan of that um like a, a fear of mine would be to be completely by myself at a theme park like after hours everything's turned off i would not like that one bit wow all right football time um i have not loved this Dallas Cowboys offseason, but I'm trying to be more positive, trying to get rid of the stress in my life. So it's actually good for me to kind of sit here and talk with you, somebody who I've devoted 48 hours of my life to, um, and just kind of you know work through those stressors, right? Like theme parks, water, you know, giraffes, whatever. Um, and so, um, so I'm, I'm trying to be more positive uh, as it relates to the Dallas Cowboys. I am so excited to be negative when it comes to the Commanders and the Giants in a little bit, uh, but I'm here. What, 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 where do you want to go with the Cowboys? You drive me. I'm down to bounce around. Um, I mean, what's the latest? So the latest what's been going um, on in Cowboys world. So we record this on Tuesday, and it comes out on Wednesday, as has been um, discussed and frankly scrutinized by a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> our our haphazard schedule, but um, I've kind of come around. Oh, not that I think everything's going well or swimmingly to go mm. back to the water, but I've accepted the Amari Cooper trade. I wrote about last week after the Tyreek Hill trade about how upsetting it was that. Not that Amari is Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, but that they fetched these large draft hauls and that Amari went for a fifth-round pick. I mean, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. I understand their way of thinking, or rather, I understand that that's how they prefer to think is maybe the best way to say it. Um, they are all in on offensive line, and they are all in on the draft. I mean, Mike McCarthy not present at the coaches, owners, GMs, executives, you know, dignitary meetings this week in Florida because he is focused on the draft. I, I know you find that a little bit silly. I find that a little bit silly too. Um, you've had this like entire- up in like a, a you know a room like watching film nonstop. So yeah, I so like I don't mean to say this, and and it's not as dramatic as it's going to, but it's so clear and obvious. Like everything, every day almost paints the picture of how critical this season is for Mike McCarthy. He has said himself that this is the most involved he's ever been in the pre-draft process. Like, th- take that how you will. Maybe you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, whatever. But it is so clear that the Cowboys are all in. They are banking on landing another Micah Parsons or landing another C.D. Lamb. There's obviously luck involved in the draft, and they are banking on getting their infusion of talent that way. They have disregarded free agency, uh, as a lot of teams have. Really, frankly, as the entire division has. There hasn't really been, a, I mean, Hassan Reddick, fine, but there hasn't really been, we talked about that in our awful episode, a real kind of flashy move. You could argue the flashiest thing to happen is Carson Wentz being traded for. Um, but they're all in. And so in a weird kind of 
trying to be optimistic way, I kind of respect that McCarthy is saying, you know what? Like, it's do or die, right? Like, <laughs> it's do or die when it comes to the draft because we need this to happen or else the season's not going to happen. And then I've got to face a lot of other consequences. So I kind of respect that he's saying I'm going to be completely and totally unequivocally all in on this process. So I'm looking at blogging the boys here, and I saw you had an article about uh, the, the Cowboys have addressed all but one of their major needs this offseason. It's a nice little right. clickbait headline for you. It's like, oh, what is the one need? I have to click on the article. Oh, um, my God. Oh, so first of all, very good at my job. Second of all, former Cowboy yeah, Andy Dalton has a new job. Have you, uh, have you seen this you right now to... on your timeline right no. as we're recording? Nope. Um, the New Orleans, attention to the podcast, baby. The new, I'm locked in. The New Orleans Saints are signing Andy Dalton. Uh, why? I mean, and so they have Dalton and Jameis. Like, yep. What are they? What are they aspiring to do exactly? Um, I don't know. Like, let's just be as nine and eight or eight and nine as we possibly I mean, can be. You know, like some of it is the, the color of his hair, but like Andy looked so good in the Bengals uniform, and I thought really like kind of pulled off the Cowboys' sharp blue. Well, the the Bears' orange kind of subtly brought you know balanced out with his hair. This is not the uniform for Andy Dalton. The, the, you know what I mean? Like the gold is just. I, it's weird, weird for me. But um, anyway. how do they have Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton, both like you know redhead quarterbacks? Are they going to get Carson Wentz next? No, obviously they have Joe Burrow, but right. maybe as a backup. But obviously no. Um, right. Going back to what I was saying, uh, the other article that I see here that's actually the top article I'm blocking the boys right now in terms of the placement is Cowboys first round draft pick will almost certainly be Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson. So uh, it does seem like the mindset over there locked in an offensive line, which is funny enough what I said the Cowboys should have been focused on last year. Now, obviously, it worked out with Micah Parsons, um, but uh, it's always better to be a a year too early, they say, than a year too late. And here I was uh, early to that. uh, So let's let's play that out. So to to connect the dots here, uh, what I wrote about was, and I'm not saying like, oh, problems are solved, but the Cowboys, they, they, if you do the math of the players they've lost and added and brought back, they're they're kind of balanced again, just like literally from a number of position standpoint. Like they've lost two wide receivers in Amari Cooper, who they traded away, and Cedric Wilson. They re-signed Michael Gallup and added James Washington. So like two for two is kind of my point. They lost Randy Gregor. They signed Dante Fowler. The only thing they really haven't addressed is the offensive line. They lost Connor Williams in free agency to the Miami Dolphins, and then they released Lyle Collins, who went to play with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's the only that's that's what I meant about it's the one position. So way to ruin my headline, BLG, um, and. Danny Phantom wrote about that. And the Cow- Jerry Jones said when he spoke on Monday that they are really leaning towards offensive line. The Cowboys love to talk about what they're going to do in the first round. A lot of teams do this, but, you know, whatever. Um, and so Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson feel like the place. And they feel like they will logically be there. And so to answer your question, because every Cowboys fan is like, that's stupid BLG. All he does is troll us and hate us, blah, blah, blah. If you could have Rashawn Slater, who, who they didn't take last year twice, and we'll call it Nicobe Dean, say he falls to them, right, at 24, or Micah Parsons, and either of these guards. Pick one. I think I mean, the I think the I, combo you choose is the is Micah and whoever. Well, yeah, but I'm, it's easy to do with the benefit of hindsight. I think going. Well, I've got into, the benefit right now. Sure, but I'm saying like going into the process, I thought Slater was like such a sure thing, and I was worried about Tyron, who has what missed at least three games and at least. Is, yeah, Dak has and, never played a full season with Tyron Smith. Yeah, and it's not going to happen, probably. Or at least like the safe bet would be it's not going to happen, more likely than not. Uh, so 
Uh, I think it's the right spot for the Cowboys to invest in because, again, uh, I think that's what ultimately will undo their season. And that's, that, that, that part of it kind of bore out, not to say the offensive line was a disaster, but the offense falling apart or not being what it was in the second half last year, I think was ultimately the demise of the defense, like, or the, or sorry, the team, like the defense can be really good, but that doesn't, that, that matters to a point. And it's not enough to necessarily, I think really carry the team through the playoffs. I mean, the offense has to be on fire and why not strengthen the offensive line? I agree. Um, and I do think it is a bit irresponsible or maybe a bit carefree to say, you know what, we don't need to sign anybody. And I do think they'll sign like some sort of swing. They really don't have a swing tackle right now. It's their fourth round rookie uh, from last year, Josh Ball, who had off the field issues that were highly concerning. Uh, didn't play at all last year, really, um, effectively. But um, but so, I mean, they've, they've kind of just, they're just banking on the fact that one of these guards is going to be there. Now, to be fair, they banked on the idea that one of J.C. Horner, Patrick Sertan, was going to be there at 10 last year. And that didn't work out. And it did work out for them. They got really lucky. Uh, that can happen. Didn't Yes, it doesn't always happen for what it's worth. A uh, little self-plug here, BLG. Every Monday on our Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, we do mock drafts. Uh, we call it Mock Draft Monday. Nobody does that wow. in this business. I know. Um, and uh, this past week, Connor Livesy and I, Connor hosts uh, the other show that drops here on Blog of the Boys every Wednesday, talking the draft with Mark Schofield, who you can also hear on BGN Radio with Rachel Prevet, uh, who I work with on Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL show. Look at all really that. Tying it all together. I mean, seriously, tell our bosses. I mean, how how I'm full fully symmetrical here. Anyway, um, we did a mock draft that came out this past Monday, and when we were on the clock for the Cowboys at 24 overall, not only were Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson both there, but so was Tyler Linderbaum. Um, but doesn't really have the ability to play guard. The Cowboys are kind of in drastic need there because of the center they have from when they traded up with the Eagles two years ago in Tyler Biotish, a uh, different Tyler. So, you know, lots of, you know, commonalities and common denominators happening around here. What? Yeah. <laughs> what, I don't know. Is this a response? I, no, I'm saying that like in the mock we did, and we used uh PFF simulator. We'll probably use um, PFNs next week. Um, they were all there. And so again, one mock, one simulation, one example. Um, but I do think they're going to be able to walk away from draft night, at least night one, and and have their left guard of the future and feel proud of themselves. And, you know, they, they are planning that. And so I think you do got to give them credit. There is some luck involved in, in your board not getting wiped out. Um, it's not the most foolproof strategy I would have devised myself, but, you know, they have a plan. They're sticking to it. How did you feel about the uh, early? Did you see the, the over under number over under number on the Cowboys uh, win total? For 2022 yet i have not seen it i saw okay. that ed at big blue view wrote about um uh the giants win total and i believe it said a seven but um but i have not seen that what is it surprise me tell me right um, here um i've not seen it either i saw the eagles was eight and a half i thought that seemed like a little low um i did not see the cowboys i'm looking it up right now um so it just popped into my head uh what do you think it is going to be um what would you, if, if you're like placing it what would you put it at I, I I think the whole purpose of an over under is like I hate even like you've got to give me something in a half because then I like the ha I have to be forced to take like the over or the under I hate like again I saw the Giants was seven I'd say ten and a half okay so Washington seven and a half um you know it'd be really nice if they did these like in alphabetical order um ten and a half for the Cowboys is cool hey is. look at that yeah. look at this guy right here what are you taking the over or the under. So just play this out really quickly. They win at least four games in the division, maybe five, right? 
I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying know. Cowboys are ballers, Cowboys are awesome, but like it's hard to bet against, right? At least four. Yeah, probably. I mean, okay, so let's just let's go four right there. Okay. Uh, the NFC East plays the AFC South, so everyone's beating the Texans, except you know maybe the Commanders. So that's five. I think they beat the Jaguars. I am in no way scared of the Colts because they're run by a coward uh, and Chris. They Ballard. could lose to the Colts though. Okay, say they win three games from the AFC South. That's seven, right? Um, they play the Packers and the Bucks and the Rams. That's tough, um, you know, to kind of shake out. But still, they're at seven. They play the Bears now without Andy Dalton. Oh my gosh! Um, and the Lions. That's nine. And then the um, the Vikings, who you don't believe in because of my boy Kirk Cousins. And then the Bengals. So like, yeah, I think ten. I think ten wins is. I can easily get to ten. Um, you be got to get over ten. I know. That's I'm getting them in the process. That's how, um, that's how numbers work. I will take. I'll take the under. I mean, we talk so much about you, you have know, to with regression. Yeah, right. We talk and we talk so much about like history and historical value. Yep. It hasn't been a repeat champion in the NFC East, you know, since 2004. It hasn't been since 2006 and 2007 that the Cowboys actually just even had back-to-back playoff years. So it's you know, I, I think 10 wins maybe is is like that's what I'd, I'd say. They're 10 and seven right now, and they maybe that's enough. Unless, that's probably enough to win the division. I don't know if it's enough to to be a wild card, but like. I don't, you know, it's a different episode, but like, I don't know who's like the contending wildcard teams in the NFC. Like, I think you have very strong division favorites and then you have like, you'll have two teams emerge from the NFC West, but that's kind of it. I mean, you know, it's difficult to come up with two more wildcard spots. Maybe the Eagles, if maybe you get two NFC East teams, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we'll get into the NFC quarterback rankings and probably shake some of that stuff out there. But um, oh, BLG, as we segue to the Eagles, you know, let's let's yeah. sa- sandwich some kind of stuff in here as it's happening and, and moving. Um, and you've already recorded the podcast wow. today, by Let's the way, where, where we cover, um, you know, NFL wide news. Uh, but before we get to the Eagles again, because everybody here loves football, uh, it's being reported just now that the NFL owners approved mm-hmm. a modified overtime rule for the postseason only, just like uh, the original, uh, I guess, improvement, if you want to call it that back in, was it 2011 uh, that it was first approved or maybe 2010, actually. Um, after Brett Favre whined and complained. Uh, anyway, uh, both teams will now be insured a possession in playoff games. Your thoughts? Participation trophy era gets exactly what they want. Yeah, it has to be. Everything has to be fair. It's dumb. They didn't need to change it at all. Or, but I, how are they doing it exactly? Are they doing it? So, so the, the Eagles won. It's not the Titans won then. So the Titans won was like if. Uh, the you have to go for two. Scored, the the second team two. to score touchdown has to go for two, right? Uh, um, so this is just every team gets a possession no matter what. And then if it's tied after the first two possessions, then it would go to overtime. Or then it would, then it would go to sudden death, right? Yeah. So, um, and by the way, uh, Albert Breer is the one who notes it is actually the proposal proposed by both the Eagles and the Colts, a.k.a. Yeah. the giver uppers of Carson Wentz. Um, so... Um, and again, like this is literally happening while we're recording, both teams are guaranteed a possession in overtime postseason only. And you're right. Um, so if team X scores a touchdown, team Y counters and scores a touchdown, then it's sudden sudden death. And, and like, we are, I don't know when this will happen, but at some point team X will score a touchdown, team Y will score a touchdown. And then team X will go score a touchdown. People will say, well, this is so unfair. Why does this have to end? Blah, blah, team Y, you know, blah, blah. This is so dumb. They should have never, ever. I loved original sudden death. 
Like, mm. and, and that's the whole point. Like this, this, like, so th- then we're going to get to sudden death and then they're going to complain about it being sudden death. This is dumb. Like I, I love Josh Allen. I love the bills. I'm so sad that they lost in the division around, but they lost not because they lost a coin toss. They lost because they lost. They had 13 seconds to stop Patrick Mahomes at the end of regulation and they didn't. Why are they and, being rewarded for this? And they could have went for two. I keep beating that. Yeah. Term, but they should have totally went for two. Agreed. If they went for two and, and like, that's people would be like, oh, that's crazy. You can't do that. You're in KC in the playoffs. You have to do literally everything you possibly. Like, I, I think I compared it at the time. It's like the the villain in a movie. Like you know he's going to come back to life. You can't just like shoot him in the arm and expect that he's not going to like show up again. No, you have to like make sure like you're like you almost. I mean, I don't want to get brutally graphic on the podcast. We have to make sure like you you've done everything you possibly can that he cannot possibly come back in any way. And they could have right. gone for two. They would have been up four if they got it. And then the Chiefs would have needed a touchdown to win the game, not just a field goal to to get to overtime. So, uh, yeah, I I agree. I it's totally agree. Out. Like, you can't leave like people like knock the yeah, bad guy out and leave him on the ground with like a weapon. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh my yes. gosh, you're back. No, totally right. agree. <laughs> I, I have ten million grievances with this, but among them, why why are we changing it for just the postseason? Like, what? Like, <laughs> like what? Why is that okay? Like, why not do the regular? That just proves it. It's just a very re- reactionary thing. Uh, like, and and that's how it was originally too. When they and I know we have some younger fans that listen, but in case you forgot, uh, NFL overtime used to just be sudden death, and then they changed it to okay, the, if the first team you know only kicks a field goal, then the other team is allowed possession. And again, if, if you are younger, go back and watch the I believe it was two thousand nine NFC Championship game between the Minnesota Vikings and New Orleans Saints. The Vikings did not get the ball. This was Brett Favre's uh, Viking season, um, his you know arguably MVP season. Vikings did not get the ball in overtime. Saints went on to, to win the Super Bowl, and the, and everybody was so pissed that Brett Favre didn't get a chance to touch the ball. The Saints won that overtime game on a field goal. So then it was like to your point, it was reactionary. Like, well, how could we have protected the Vikings in in hindsight? We would just you know give them a chance to counter that field goal. This is exactly that. This is so lame. Why? And the first time it actually got implemented, it didn't even get to be used do you know the first time that the overtime change was instituted blg or it had a chance to be instituted it was the tim tebow and late demarius thomas game winner that was the first like because that was a playoff game and that was like oh my gosh we're finally gonna get to see the overtime rule you know blah blah and literally the first play demarius thomas houses it for the win um this and is think, think about that moment now compared to like what that moment wouldn't happen now. That was such like an awesome moment. That was and now epic. it's like, wow, this huge play. Okay. Game is still going on. <laughs> okay. And, and I know we're at, we still have to get back to the NFC East, but um, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Frank Reich go for two against the bills in the wild card round last year? Yeah. Remember? And then everybody like, cause he went for the win. Or you know, was playing aggressive, or what? I forget the exact context of the situation. It was earlier in the game. It was earlier, but he went for two to try to win, you know, or to try to improve his odds of winning. And so you would think that like Sean McDermott, who I think we both agree is a good coach, would have adopted that mindset in the future. Like I don't know, maybe this past divisional round in Kansas City, the way that because Indianapolis was on the road again, tough team, whatever, tough environment, Mm -hmm. playoff environment, trying to win a game, and like I totally, this is rewarding cowardice and hindsight cowardice which is really lame i love the bills but i hate this the only tweak they should have made and i'll say it for the billionth time is they should have added that if so it should be they shouldn't have changed anything 
other than I like the current setup in terms of uh, you can't win with a field goal. I think it's fine to give the other team a chance to possess. Why? Like because you, 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 to over, you had to go to overtime. You had a whole game. Let's you so chuck the ball down the field, and the ref makes a really bad call on pass interference, and now the game is over because you kick a field goal. Like that's lame. That could I just don't love. That's that. fine. That's but whatever. That's fine. Like that. That's not part. It wasn't even in debate. So whatever. We're keeping it like that. The only thing I would change is that. Uh, the whoever scores more touchdowns, if applicable, because obviously if the game is gets the ball in overtime, yeah, he gets the ball first in overtime, and if I like it's even, and if it's even, then you do the coin flip. So that was the only thing I would just make that really very minor tweak to it. Um, I think that is all that needed to be done, if anything, because uh, that makes some sense to me. That is actually you're adding some like merit value into the equation. Um, again, it would not be like the it would not come up all the time, but it would happen sometimes, and I think that'd be worth it. Uh, but here we are anyway. Why don't we talk about the Eagles, RJ? Um, because they, there's there's been some happenings potentially, essentially with them because their head coach uh, is at the owners' meetings. Sirianni was talking today. The every every everyone is focused on Derek Barnett. Like that's the big thing today. Who the Eagles? Oh, three year deal. Oh my gosh. Kind of. Uh, you know, it's it's essentially like a one year deal. You know, with the guaranteed money and everything. But there's potential. There's some guarantee beyond this season. Also. You have to account for the fact that because of the way the Eagles restructured his fifth year option last year, there's like a dead cap already of seven something million on this year. So if you include Derek Barnett's cap hit, his actual cap hit for his current contract, plus the dead money that all accelerated from the void years because uh, he became a free agent this offseason. He has like the fourth biggest cap hit on the team or so, which is not great. Um, everyone is kind of frustrated with that to me. In a vacuum, the Derek Barnett signing is fine because it's like relatively fair, even cheap money for like a fourth defensive end, which is ideally what he would be. But it kind of just speaks to the Eagles, I feel like, lacking creativity and running it back. And I, what I will say about the Eagles offseason so far is I think they've made their best moves with the players who they brought in, in terms of Hassan Reddick deal. I think that's a really good deal for them. Zach Pascal is fine. It's not exciting, but it's fine. It's, you know, obviously you, you want to see them do more at receiver, but if he is your fourth receiver and you can somehow find better options, that's great. That's totally cool. Um, and then Kaiser White, I thought was actually another pretty good signing by the Eagles. I thought he was going to get big money. He's coming off like a career year with the Chargers, ascending talent. He only turned 26, like I think last week or so. Uh, so yeah, those are the, the external additions are good, but then why are you bringing back Anthony Harris? And I know it's not even for the, it's like a million guaranteed, whatever. Why are you bring back Derek Barnett? Why are you, why are you taking why, RJ? Would you like, wouldn't you rip any team that looked at Fletcher Cox, who's on the decline and then gave him a $14 million contract? Like that's not a good contract. He's a declining player. Contract so, loophole, by the way, making him a post June first cut that we talked about last week. And again, that's the other part of it. It's not even like you're just signing him to a $14 million deal. There's still dead money involved in there, too. So it's just like, I think this team is running it back in some ways. And which is just like weird because they weren't a very great team in 2021. And they're like, oh, well, we have the three first round picks. I'm so tired of hearing about the three first round picks as a way to like kind of just make up for uh, everything. Like, it's like, it doesn't, you can't judge them yet because they have three first round picks. Like, I get that those are really big pieces and they offer exciting potential, but you're not going to draft three all pro players in the first. That's not how it works. You don't just go into the draft and you draft three studs and everyone's like, well, the Eagles had a good draft last year. I agree they had a good draft last year, an encouraging draft even, but 
again, you look at Howie Roseman's track record outside of the top 13 picks, RJ, who are you looking at? You're looking at Danny Watkins. You're looking at Marcus Smith. You're looking at Jalen Rager. You're looking at Andre Dillard. Like these are the guys you're looking at when you get outside of like the obvious early picks. And that's not to say that Harry Rosen is going to draft three busts, definitely. But just this assumption that they're going to get three total studs with the first round picks, which I don't even think they're going to keep all three. It's just too much to me. So um, I don't I agree with everything you're saying. Do you and, feel like are you worried the Eagles have three first round picks? Like you're like shaking in your boots. Like they're I mean, gonna like I honestly and this is the case with like the draft in general. Like I was more worried about it. Like in. I don't know the potential of what they could like, do with it. Like in October, you know what I mean? Cause when yeah. you're thinking like, Oh man, that's coming around the bend. Like now I'm not so worried about it. And so like, I do think we need time to evaluate, you know, picks, right? Like a year from now, we won't be able to say like, and I know you're not saying this either, but like, we won't be able to say like, Oh, smashing success. Or like, unless you have like a 2017 saints draft, you know what I mean? Where like everyone comes in as like a huge role player right away, which is incredibly unlikely. Um, so we need some time. So I, I promise I just picked a ran- I random year, but I, I think you need five years. You need the life of the rookie contract to be able to determine like whether those players were successful or not. Is that fair? I don't totally. So you don't believe in, do you believe in draft grades then? Cause I think it was like, oh, I mean, draft not, grades like, yeah, cheap. like I, I think there's grades like relative to value, right? Well, there's right? things, like, you know, at the time of the pick, like there's things you can like, like, is this guy hurt? Does he have a good sure. athletic profile? Like there's things you can kind of ju- like the Justin Jefferson pick. That was obviously a bad pick in the moment, not just because he turned out to be really good because like, Hey, everything about this guy's profile says he's going to be a good player. And you took someone who was like, against the consensus when you've never hit a wide receiver like that's you can grade the process and it was a bad process that's the cowboys version of taking taco charlton over tj watt oh tj's sure. tj's arms are too short he can't put his hand in the ground can't rush whatever blah despite all the evidence to the contrary you just get lumped into your own line of thought so i wanted to play do this exercise with you so uh eagles first round picks or correct me if i'm wrong 15 16 and um 19, 19. 15 16 19 okay you ready for this yeah. I've, I've got the numbers correct. 15, 16, 19, right? Yes. So again, just five years ago, because we're looking at life of, of the rookie contract, right? T- 2017 NFL draft in Philadelphia. So kind of appropriate bookmark to take a look back the on. Super Bowl season started. Anyway, um, so do you know sure. who had the 15th, 16th, or 19th picks that year um, in the NFL? I'll give you Dolphins. credit for any of these these three guesses. Dolphins have one of those? They do not. Mm, okay. The Steelers? No. I don't know. 15 belonged to the Indianapolis Colts, 16 belonged to the Baltimore Ravens, and 19 belonged to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, do you want to guess who any of these teams took with those picks? The Colts took uh, Malik Hooker, did they not? The current Dallas Cowboy Malik Hooker, that's right. Uh, then the Falcons, you said? The Ravens, oh, right Ravens. after that. Um, I forget. Marlon Humphrey. Oh, yeah, really good player. And then, Underrated player. Right, and then at 19... Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2017 NFL draft, their first round pick. I think if you don't get this, you'll kick yourself. 2017? Mm-hmm. The Bucs? Is it? Um, no, I don't know. OJ Howard. So mm-hmm. in five years, again, just to play around like with just, you know, talking stuff out loud. Maybe this is the inspiration for an article. It'd be GN. Who knows? Um, in five years, if you look looked back on it and you had what Malik Hooker, Marlon Humphrey, and OJ Howard have been, would you be satisfied? Would you feel like those first round picks were a success? Um. If he had I mean, been five tough. years ago. It's a little tough with Howard because he, had, he was a unique situation there with Gronk right. and everything. Um, I think he's a little bit better than his numbers would indicate because um, he's just been uh, – has, hasn't had the opportunity. Um, but Malik Hooker, Hooker wasn't anything great. It's like fine, right? Um, 
and Marlon Humphrey, really, really good. That's a home run pick. Yeah, so like you have what? One home run, one solid starter, and then one, well, let's say, we'll just classify O.J. Howard as an underachiever. So yeah, that's that's probably, yes, a good draft all in all. But that's my point, is like, even if the Eagles have like what you could call a good draft, it's not like you're getting, the, the, the probability of getting three absolute studs with these first round picks is incredibly low, is my point. I agree. I mean, who were the Browns' three first-round picks when they had it? Um, when they took Njoku. Um, uh, Ward? Was that that year? Denzel Ward? Denzel Njoku Ward. And Baker? Was that that year? That's 2018, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, like, that was just four. That was four years ago. So, like, And again, those aren't even, like, picks 15, 16, 19. But so you're talking about three first-round picks, whatever. And one of them's a quarterback. And uh, granted, like, the miss on the quarterback fine. hurts more. Hurts most. Well, yeah, he's fine. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that anybody would say he's fine, but um, I don't think it's like a, he's on a bust. He's just right. not good. Not great. Um, yeah. Um, I, he's, I think it's fair to, I, like, I hate that we like use this like phrase so much, but like, I think it's fair to trust the Eagles process. Um, but you're right. Like, I mean, it's, it's very, very dependent on them hitting on this. And if, and you know, and what's weird is like, they could buy more time. Like if they trade out, you know what I mean? Like it, it will be the new Laramie Tunsil, like, well, this trade spawned this and this, and this, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, it was this never ending cascading sort of thing. But I mean, I, I'm not worried, but I'm definitely paying attention to it. That's where I'm at as, as far as being a Cowboys fan. Well, I think it all comes back to the quarterback. And again, a, a big reason why it would seem unlikely that the Eagles would even keep all three of these picks is like, what do you do? If Jalen Hurts isn't the guy and I'm pretty sure the Eagles are considering that is a decent chance. That is the case. And they should be like, what do you do after this season? If Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, it's easy to say, okay, you trade for a first round pick next year. But I was talking this through uh, with stats actually after the oddcast today, and there's going to be competition in next year's draft. I think the giants that we can get to this are very likely to trade down and pick up a first round pick next year to hedge against Daniel Jones. Back to back years of trading down. I know Dave Gettleman's not around, but you know, because they're in that prime spot again at number five. And we'll talk about that more, but um, the, what the, uh, the Texans already have multiple first round picks. I think the dolphins have multiple first round picks next year and could very well be in the market for a quarterback. So like even getting a first round pick next year, which I think the Eagles like need to do, doesn't guarantee you're going to get a quarterback to say nothing of are the quarterbacks next year actually going to be good. Like, is that class actually going to be great? So, uh, I saw Daniel Jeremiah say something recently about like how the top 10 picks in this year would all be better or would all be like the number one overall pick in next year's class. And stuff like that doesn't really ever mean anything to me because I feel like people just say weird things about the quality of classes. But like, there's just, there's no path, there's no certain path to the Eagles having like a true, you know, top five even quarterback in the conference like a, a really good top top 10 quarterback in the nfl there's no clear path to that jalen hurts might improve he might get better but i just don't think the eagles are in a spot where they have a clear path to getting to the very very top and i think by way of that they're kind of just stuck in the middle right now i said this last week on the look ahead um on the espionation nfl show you know who the like Eagles quarterback of the future is going to be rumored to be in, I don't know, we'll call it seven to eight months time. No, it's going to come down to the Eagles and the dolphins for Kyler Murray. 
That's what it's going to come down to. Kyler Murray's this, or like the writing's on the wall that everything's going poorly in Arizona, and he's going to be next year's Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, tournament however you want. And it will come down to choosing the Dolphins, who will be a quarterback away, and so will the Eagles. I mean, it will it will be you know is is does he rather would he rather have the nice like you know cushy life in Florida, no state taxes, or is Kyler really tough enough to go play for the Philly fans and throw to Devontae Smith and blah 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 blah. So, yeah, that's coming. I don't love it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Um, are we ready to move on? We'll talk about the Giants since we're just talking about them. I mean, that would not be going in order, but we can. Um, I think that I was thinking about it more though, and this is kind of the basis of today's show is like really looking at the draft order. And I think it's a pretty good bet. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say the Panthers are taking a quarterback at number six because they have to. What else are they going to do? They're going to run it back with Sam Darnold. That's not a real option, especially you know, Matt rule going into this, like, you know, make or break year. So I feel like they have to get someone. I feel like there's a decent chance it would be Kenny Pickett based on just like ability to win. Now he seems like the most NFL ready quote unquote prospect. So I think there's a really good chance. The Panthers are looking at quarterback at six. And if that's the case, 
that puts the Giants in an amazing spot at number five because then they can be like, hey, we can move down. And it's like it's not very painful to move down at all because they have the pick at seven. So, you know, you could see potentially two quarterbacks go off the board at five, six, and then the Giants really aren't like even missing out on any prospects that they would want because they don't seem to be in the, in the quarterback market, aren't in the quarterback market, I would say, at all. So I think the Giants really kind of control the draft there. I think that's fair. Um, I think they they were kind of in that position last year a little bit. Um, I, I, I just, what I know they them. them. Like, you know, Gettleman did so many things wrong, but training down last year was great. It was a great move. It really was. Um, although Kadarius Tony doesn't look amazing, but you're right. Like, well, yeah, that it was, part of it's different, but that, that trade back was so like, it, it just worked out so much better than like the Eagles trade back with Miami, right? Like in terms of like the bears sucked and were terrible, uh, super. What, what were the dolphins at one point? One in seven. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you were, every Eagles fan was like, we got it. I remember you even said, like, the number one overall pick might even, you know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that was likely to be clear, but it was it was uh, possible at the time, yeah. Anyway, um, I yeah, I think – I honestly think the Giants are in a really good spot. We've talked about this, like, overall. Like, we loved their coaching staff, got a new GM, didn't just promote from within. Um, they're kind of not purging, but they're they're accepting of the situation. We have I think a vision. We, that's what I'm saying. Like we we believed John Mara in saying that it was like the what what did he say exactly? Like the most embarrassed or whatever he's ever been in terms of his time with the like all that lines up and makes sense. Okay, cool. I feel like they took a step back this week though. That like mm. so because I agree with you. Like their, their their future looks bright except for one thing. I don't know if and, it looks bright, but it looks like they have like a, a path they're going on as opposed to kind of just like doing spinning their wheels doing nothing. Right. It looks better than it ever has or than it has in the last decade. Right? Is that fair? Okay. It's it's like it's like a really it's like they're climbing Mount Everest. It's like or whatever. It's like it's like that's a tough, very tough path. But at least you can. It's like a clear path. It's not obscured by snow or anything. Like, you know, obviously, I'm not. I don't know the real path. I'm just saying in this metaphor or whatever. There is a path. It's a hard path, but it's there. Agreed. So I think they took a step backwards this week, though. I, I have. I wanted to say this to tell you on the pod to get your like full total natural reaction. Uh, you said you did not see or have not seen what Joe Shane said about Saquon Barkley this week. I mean, I might, I may have laid on me. Okay, so uh, owners' meetings, coaches' meetings, again, executives, all you know, right around Florida this week. Uh, Joe Shane had a comment at the combine that, according to him, was taken out of context about Saquon Barkley. So he just comes out of nowhere. This is his exact quote: it "says that was taken a little bit out of context at the combine. I haven't called one team on Saquon Barkley. Okay, everybody ran with that from the combine. I said I would listen." If people called on any player so it would be irresponsible if i didn't that doesn't mean i'm going to do every deal so i haven't called one team on saquon barkley i've gotten calls about a few of our players and he's one where a couple of teams have reached out but again i'm not shopping saquon barkley um well i'm Bill, letting you know teams are interested in him Everyone. brian dable also um spoke about this and said that he reached out to saquon to like talk to him so the step back i believe is this like coddling of Saquon? Dude, why like why? Why are you guys going like you and, and remember we even said that if they moved on from Saquon, it would impress us, right? right? That they were willing yes. to like emotionally disconnect themselves from a mistake of the past. And this is this is like doubling down on that. Like, no, no, no. We we haven't even thought about trading Saquon. Don't put us, don't don't speak for us. We love Saquon. This is like if it's true, yes, uh, it could be an attempt at, I mean, to me, I read Joe Shane's comments there as, hey, yes, I have had whatever talks with people. I have accepted calls. I have 
discuss calls about him, that reads to me that he isn't very much available and they, they want teams to know that. So if that's the case and they're kind of trying to make it look like they want Saquon so that teams will actually give up a little bit more. But I think, I think the problem is that their price to give him up is too high. Like they should be willing to give him up as we talked about for almost anything. Like, I mean, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't give him up for, let's say, like a seventh. I think at that point, I'd rather just have him. But if we're talking about, you know, like a fourth, I mean, yeah. Like, get I, him don't, out of I don't think anyone's giving up a fourth round pick for something. I don't, I don't, I don't think they fun. are. Yeah. Well, or again, if they did, I think the Giants would actually have to take on like a lot of the money, but that's fine. Like, pay, whatever, pay the money, like, buy the pick, like, pay the money that, like, pay his salary and let the other team take him on for not too much. And you have to eat that this year, but you're getting a better pick. Like, that's what the, that's the spot the Giants are in right now. They're in a spot where they're not. Like they're not ready to build just yet. They have to tear down. This is a tear down year for the Giants, um, and I think they've done mostly a good job of that. And they've, you know, like the offensive line help they've added aren't long term pieces, but that'll help stabilize. And you can always afford to kind of, you know, upgrade your offensive line, uh, especially as they're trying to say they're evaluating Daniel Jones and everything. So yeah, I think the Giants have gone about things smart. I did see, by the way, speaking of Saquon, uh, an article on ESPN today about like the top twenty free agents next year for twenty twenty three. And there was like a picture of him at the top of the article. And I'm like, ESPN, what are we doing here? Like, what is what is about to happen? Am I about to open this article and see like Saquon, the top free agent? And thankfully, he was not. He was like in the like, what happened? Why was this player not mentioned section? So a little little misleading there. Good job by ESPN. I guess they got me. Um, um, but very quickly, because we have to get to Washington so we can sure. wrap up because we're running low on time. Uh, just two last things when it comes to the Giants. Um, so I don't know if you saw this PFF, um, did something, uh, it's very difficult to condense very quickly, uh, but valuing, uh, rookie contracts and the relative worth of them relative to their position, you know what I mean? So like, obviously like the highest value can be attained and achieved from a rookie contract from a quarterback that's playing very well, playing at an elite level, you know? So again, if you're getting elite play from a quarterback on a rookie contract, that's just like enormously high value, right? Like that makes sense. Uh, so this exact, and I saw this, uh, tweet, um, that, that spurned the thought in my mind. It was from Ben Baldwin does a great job covering the NFL for the athletic. Um, so this is a direct line from the PFF analysis. That's a significant reason why the Saquon Barkley pick was bad process for the New York Giants back in 2018. Strictly speaking, even forfeiting the selection would have been a better alternative <laughs> as it would have saved them from paying a contract. The pick is not expected to be worth. Um, so pretty amazing. Uh, last Giants thing before we get to Washington, uh, John Mara apparently right now said that the 10 and two record of teams that won the toss in overtime resonated with a lot of people and was part of what spurred the overtime rule change. What a shocker. The NFL, uh, picking cherry picking a very small sample size. Okay. Washington, hey, you ready? Another thing really quick on overtime. Uh, okay. this is from Tom Pelissero and I like this part. One NFL head coach offered a prediction about the new modified overtime rule for postseason only many teams that get the ball first and score a touchdown will go for two rather than allowing the second team to do it and then end the game i hope that yeah, would be true that would be true too but i mean you should be brave anyway you shouldn't have to have this forced on you you shouldn't um, have it go to overtime you should, you I, should, in, in regulation you should be willing to do that <laughs> there's, there's a great um great friend of cowboys twitter friend of blog on the boys cowboy stats and graphic uh graphics excuse me that noted um that this honestly actually offers a larger advantage to the second team than it does the the team who starts, you know, overtime with possession. Because if you know, like, hey, I've got to go for two, like that is a larger advantage. But like theoretically, everybody had that advantage already in overtime. But people are cowards. The last um, thing I'll okay. say, because this made me think of it when it came up, is that I know we have to get out here, but this I'm 
I, I actually maybe maybe I like this change because now again, this incentivizes teams to go for it at the end of the game, right? Go like in regulation, you should go for two at a spot where you could because if you're sending it to overtime, you're guaranteeing now, at least in the playoffs, that that team is getting a possession. Again, that's fine, but I mean, I'm a, not saying the rule should have changed. A, I'm a, saying, people should have reached this conclusion naturally. Yeah, I'm, I and, agree. And but I'm B, finding the silver lining in it. But but B, not everybody's going to even do that, and so you're going to end they up with like some should. horrible decisions. I agree yeah. with, you, but they should do a lot of things. And well, I just somebody I tweeted about this while we've been on, and somebody responded, "This is a good rule only for overtime. We don't need to see this in week three between the Texans and the Jags. Of course we do. Like we know how like fragile and like NFL futures are. Like one win, one loss, you know, creates totally different timelines. Like every game is equally as important, and that's going to be the next." that people have is like oh man this didn't even this didn't happen when you know the i don't know the 49ers lost to the seahawks in week 15 and if it had happened they would have been able in the blah 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 like, you know what i mean like it just will never end right. um we commanders. have to leave because uh we have a meeting that, that we have to get to brandon and i so uh commanders um I don't know that we really need to talk about this draft process. Like, their draft process is so boring. The spiciest thing that's happened to them, I sent you this. Ron Rivera said um, in Florida that he is sick of Washington being a punchline. Dude. This is like your Jerry Jones thing. Like, oh, I'm disgusted. Like, Ron just – Ron Rivera is a fantastic human being. But Ron, you knew what you signed up for, and when he signed up for it, he was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna—it's gonna be a rebuild." And it's like you can't—you can't get sick of it two years later, you know. Like, and the off the field stuff is like terrible, and obviously, but Ron, you, like the decision, <clears throat> the things people are roasting you for were a hundred percent preventable. You didn't have to go with Commanders. You didn't have to botch the logo. You didn't have to botch the emblem and all this. You don't have to wear the 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 uh, Letterman jackets. You didn't have to trade for Carson Wentz. Like they're making this bed, and then they're upset that they have to lie on it. At least Ron is. Ron has some. I hate to say it, Brandon. Some big loser energy. Wow, you just love to hate on your favorite head coach in the NFC East. It was never about RJ. You were just like, oh, try to throw it in my no, face. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to go hindsight. I want you to acknowledge that this is this is some pretty weak sauce from Ron Rivera. That's what you I want. You want me to just say what you want me to say is what you're saying? No, like, is this not pretty lame? The, in a vacuum. This sure. him, him him complaining about, like, it, them being a punchline. Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, you get what you deserve. And mm. no one is like, Washington's not a victim by any means. Uh, Ron Rivera is not really a victim uh, other than maybe being delusional and wanting to join Washington. Um, but I mean, he signed up for it. Yeah. They're so little spoiler alert. Um, Cause the podcast is already up by now. This will be coming out after that. Washington was stats pick for team that is not being honest with themselves. And Washington is very clearly in that mix because they made a trade for a quarterback who I just don't know what the ceiling they really think that is. And it kind of just sums up the whole organization where they're at. It's just they're not an organization that's very honest with themselves. They think that despite in all of the trash going on, they can just keep moving forward and everything will be fine. Everything will be good. But it most clearly, obviously, will not. Agreed. Um, they're not being honest. Uh, two quick things and then we're running. Uh, one, the three teams that voted against the amended overtime proposal. So the heroes, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Miami Dolphins, and the Minnesota Vikings. Look at that. Um, and uh, just saw this this tweet from Kevin Seifert. The overtime problem principally lied in the playoffs, not the regular season. Competition committee chairman Rich McKay said, hence the amendment for the postseason only. Wait a minute. You telling me that playoff games have larger impacts and are more important than regular season games? Whoa, breaking news around here. 
Hmm. Yeah, I try to tell you that about Lamar Jackson all the time. And you're like, oh, Lamar's All great. right. Oh. We have a meeting. We have actually two big, important meetings that we have to get to, Brandon. So final words from you. Make them great. Make them glorious. Make them whatever you want. But they do belong to you, my friend. Uh, have you... Do you know what water ice is? Do I know what water is? Is that what you said? Water ice. Water ice. Like Italian ice? Like ice cream? Like gelato or whatever? Not gelato. Italian ice. Water ice. This isn't a thing down there. You know what Rita's is? Just say something so that we can end the show, please. I'd rather not. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.